to the SPS Digital Learning Hour. Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas. And I'm Suzanne Zargis. We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas, and I am so glad to be back with you. And today we'll dive into digital storytelling. But first, in case you missed it, the latest blog post is up and it's all about gamification. If you've ever wondered what that is and what it could be in your classroom, this is the article for you. Gamification is one of those words that we hear all the time, but we are not sure what exactly that means or looks like. So check out this week's article, it talks all about it, and then we're gonna follow it up with an article that is all about game-based learning. So hopefully this will clear it up for you. In case you missed it, calling all presenters. We are looking for presenters for We Learn Wednesdays happening at the Melanie Kesperson PD Center. I told you I was gonna get better. This week it sounded a little right, a little bit more better. So we're looking for presenters so that we can start our We Learn Wednesdays. We're hoping to kick off at the very first Wednesday of the month in March. We're gonna go for three out of the four weeks in March, having different topics being presented upon, different workshops, and the ability for you to learn from other peer teachers. So if you're interested in teaching a workshop or even attending, go out to my learning plan and check it out. That's it for this week's In Case You Missed It. Coming up next, digital storytelling. Welcome back, and I am so excited to talk to you today about this idea of digital storytelling. As you can tell, I'm by myself again this week. We are going four to the floor with MCAS Prep. That's both Brendan and Suzanne are out on assignments right now, and so they are unable to record with me, so that's you get me talking again with you all week. With that, I get to bring this cool topic up of digital storytelling. Now, you not, might not be sure what that is, so I'm going to start out with a little description and we're going to talk about ways to do it and some free resources that are out there for you to take advantage of to do it. So digital storytelling is this idea that we can create stories digitally that are using multimedia movies that combine photos, videos, animation, sound, music, text, and a narrative voice. Digital stories may be used as an expressive medium within the classroom to integrate subject matter with extant knowledge and skills from across the curriculum. So essentially, digital storytelling can be a, an amazing tool for you to use in your classroom. You could go all around and do different types of things, like having students create a video where they are talking about what they've learned in history of a part of a country. I know that's part of this country. I know that's a fourth grade standard, uh, the social studies standards there. You could have students do a walking tour of their city of all the famous landmarks. And in Springfield, that could turn out to be this really cool, interesting one with Forest Park, with 
the sites for the American Revolution that are here in Springfield. We are also a city of first, so they could talk about different aspects of the city. They could even design their own ebook, which can be an interactive book where they have videos, images with them talking. They could do what I'm doing right now. They could record a podcast on different topics, on things that they're learning about. A lot of times, students will struggle when they have to get up and present in front of the class. But when they are given the opportunity to record themselves and do it multiple times, and then put something together which represents what they're trying to talk about, this is a time when they can become alive. Now, I say all this and you're like, well, this is going to involve, what's this really involve, Mike? And so a few things to think about. You could take this in a million different directions. You could get a hold of some digital cameras or video cameras. I know in the district we do have some available. So through Discovery Ad, they sent out some cameras and we might, you might be able to get them. Some schools have video cameras. All you would need other than some way to take a picture or record a video is a computer. And guess what? We are a one-to-one district. We have lots of computers that can do this work. And so with those two things, you could take and turn any assignments into this idea of digital storytelling and even get students on that mindset of creating a movie. Many of them, whether you know this or not, use YouTube quite a bit. I remember my last year teaching, I had four or five students who would always make YouTube videos on the weekend or after school for whatever video game they're playing or kind of like a video diary. And they would be able to take those things. This would just be taking what they already know how to do and applying it in a new way. So with digital storytelling, we have to think about a few things. We have to think about why are we doing it? How does, the, how does it help show what the students know? What knowledge have they gained by doing this? Well, this might be kind of like a final product, but along the way, they have so much more that they need to do. A good video has a script that they follow, and scripts come from writing and planning. And so being able to teach students how to do those things um, and how to create a digital story. I mean, there's so many ways that you could do it. They need to know the storytelling process. They need to be able to tell their story. And many students, when given the opportunity, are able to do that. A lot of times when we think about digital storytelling, it takes that idea of composing meaning beyond a traditional essay. Students they can write, but now you're taking that writing and they're creating something with it. There are many great tools out there and videos that we'll post along in the show notes, which you can help your students understand this idea. One of the things with Common Core that we're always talking about is having students show what they know, demonstrate understanding, and what better way to demonstrate understanding than to create a video. So with that in mind, what are some tools that we can use? Well, so there's a free few website, free websites out there. Um, ACMI Generator, which is a creative studio space where you can explore moving images, be inspired, create your own movies. There's Bubbler, which is a tool that creates comic strips where you take a sequence of pictures and you add bubbles and stuff to it, which could be a great way for students to show 
for example, the steps of solving the quadratic equation. They can draw out the steps one at a time. They could record either a picture or they could record themselves doing it. And then they can talk about it afterwards and talk on top of the video that they've created so that it's narrated by them. There's make-believe comics and Comic Master, MapSkip. These are all different ways to create stories. There's Picklets, Slide Story, Smilebox, Storybird, which has been around for a few years now, which has some amazing images on them. And there's Zooburst. We also have the ability, you have the ability as a teacher, that you could download Movie Maker. There is also Microsoft Photos, which is kind of like the newer version of Movie Maker, where you, they can make a movie using that, and it comes with some pre-created themes. So a few things with digital storytelling you could do, and I'm just kind of spitballing some ideas here for you. I am not your principal. I also don't teach your class. You know best in your classroom. I'm here just to kind of help you get the, the mind turning with some ideas. So there's that quadratic equation example where the students make the video showing the process of solving it. There is being able, if you have high schoolers, to do that walk through the city and show different sites and talk about the different sites in history. You could have students do a weekly newscast for your class and you can post it out there on Brightspace for your, your class to see. There are so many things that you could do. You could create PSAs. For those of you who aren't sure what a PSA is, it's a public service announcement. We see those on NBC all the time. When I was younger, they used to have like the the more you know. You could create your own versions of those. You could have students record their conversations and then turn that recorded conversation into action. They could write their story and then they could turn their story into an audiobook where they are recording their story and they're reading, reading their story. And then with that audiobook, you could take it one step further and have them add pictures, whether they make them themselves or whether they find them online and kind of build it all together to create a product. One of the things I love about YouTube, and this is just another way that you could use digital storytelling in your classroom, there's this guy on there, Nick Uhas. If you've not seen him, if you just type in Nick Uhas, U-H-A-S, he has a lot of great science experiments out there that he records, and it's just to prove scientific theory. So in your science class, in your chemistry class, in your biology class, you can have students prove their thinking by creating these videos of the scientific experiments. You could turn the research project not into not just an essay that they have to write, but they also have to create some sort of visual to go along with it. I mean, like I said, I'm just spitballing some ideas here. You as your as a teacher with your class, you know the projects that you've done, and this would be a great way to turn around and add technology into your course in a natural way. We're always trying to figure out ways to naturally import technology instead of just trying to shove it in there. Because as we know, with SAMR model and just using digital tools, we gotta we have to integrate them in a wise way. We can't just say, hey, we're going to use computers today just to use computers. They need to have a purpose. Digital storytelling could be that purpose. Giving students the opportunity to 
tell the story, to share their information, to share their knowledge. You can have students create an opinion piece based upon the book that they're reading. They could make a video to focus on a service project you might have them that they might be doing. There's just so many different ways that you can use this idea of digital storytelling. What's also great about digital storytelling is the fact that students don't have to work alone. It could be a way to collaborate. They could write the story together. They can edit parts of it together. They can shoot parts of it together. Because a lot of times, unless you're sitting in front of a laptop with the video on, you're not going to be able to do everything by yourself. There are so many ways that they can collaborate and work together. And then it creates like a real world project. It creates something that they can share not only with the class, they could share with the entire school, they can share with the entire district. And of course, if they have the right permissions, they could share with the entire world. And now you've created something that has a real world purpose. There's a whole bunch of articles out there that talk about what different schools are doing. Some have journalism classes, some have integrated this idea of digital storytelling into their everyday work. Students, when they're working together, they can they need to brainstorm ideas and storyboard. Storyboard is, for those that don't know, is the idea of putting the laying the story out, aka outline. They could share scripts together. They once they have their scripts, and maybe they're each doing their own, but they still have to work together. One could do the filming for the other, and vice versa. Then they can work together on editing using something like Movie Maker or Microsoft Photos. And then they have products to share. There are just so many possibilities with this idea that it goes beyond the classroom. And who knows, maybe by doing this, you've inspired a student to pursue a career in filmmaking or in writing. Whether you are a kindergarten teacher, and I do know there are a few kindergarten teachers out there, we've interviewed them that have talked about making videos with their students to teaching high school, this is something that all grades can do. That's it for digital storytelling and hot takes. Coming up next, our interview with Brittany Blake from South End Middle School. This week, I am so excited to share my interview with Brittany Blake of South End Middle School with you. She is doing some great things in the classroom that made me really excited and even a little giddy about how she was approaching them and how she was approaching teaching these middle school students. So go ahead and take a listen. been in Springfield for six years. I've been teaching for nine years and we're sitting in my classroom at Southland Middle School. All right. Have you been teaching middle school all of those years? Yes. I have had the joy of raising teenagers <laughs> in and out of the city of Springfield for all nine years. I did a couple of stints in high school, but mostly stuck with seventh and eighth graders. Nice. And so I imagine with those early years of technology, I'm going to guess 
overhead projector with the vis-a-vis markers? I had one. Yeah, I definitely had that when I started out at a charter school. That was all mm-hmm. I had. I didn't even have a teacher laptop for about a month until the school year progressed and we're just making do with some (laughs) archaic stuff. (laughs) They were waiting to make sure that you were good enough to give the laptop. Apparently, yeah. (laughs) So you had probably had that when you were first started teaching, maybe a bank of old desktop computers? So my second teaching job, which was at a private school, we had a smart board and then we had like 50 pound desktop computers (laughs) in the back of the room that I was basically told, only touch those if you're really, really sure that you want to use them because they're going to suck up like your whole day. So the kids didn't really have access to the technology, even though it was like this super swanky private environment. They didn't have what we have here in Springfield, which is a laptop for every kid. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. With the jump to Springfield for the last six years, how that early technology, I know we didn't have an LMS. What were some of the things that you were doing technology-wise in the classroom? So at first I was really married to like just having the kids do PowerPoint projects and getting them a little bit more comfortable with typing. So instead of the awesome handwriting skills, I got Mm -hmm. to see a little bit bit, a clearer idea of what the kids Mm -hmm. could write. The typing helped not just clarify what they were trying to say, but also gave them like a better sense of some grammar stuff too, because we have that, you know, spell check, grammatical check. Mm -hmm. That's where we started, but we're going other places now. (laughs) About four years ago, the Brightspace um, was the first LMS adopted by the district. Before Brightspace, did you try any other LMSs like Edmodo or Schoolology, Canvas, any of that? No, it was such a foreign idea. I was in my master's program at the time. And that was when I took my first like brick and click type of class. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got my first exposure to doing anything like learning online. But with the kids, it was like a whole new world for me. Mm -hmm. Something that I never even thought possible in a middle school classroom. Nice. With that introduction of having the LMS, did you use it a lot? Were you an early adopter? Yeah, I, I was in full force. You were um, in full force with it. I was so excited to have a program that could grade half of my grading for me. Like, first and foremost, like I'm, I would love to save more time. I think everyone, regardless of if you're a teacher or not, you just want to organize your life and have those extra few minutes to yourself. So setting up Brightspace so that it can grade all the multiple choice. You, know, you can still use question stems that are really valid and really you know, driving the kids to think a little bit better and think a little bit longer and a little stronger. But using it for that and using it to message out information to them, mm-hmm. that felt like a really powerful concept. Like what I was seeing on my screen, I could get them all, all, all my little ducks in a row. <laughs> right. And that's probably very important with a middle school. I've only ever taught fifth grade. So I was right before middle school. I imagine you have to make sure that those ducks are in a row so that you can move fluidly through the class. Because I imagine middle school, they go from classroom to classroom. You don't teach the same subject all day. So having those ducks in a row will take those 45 minutes to an hour and a half Yeah, really efficiently. So were you finding that classroom time was more efficient in general or? Well, with the first year when I was getting going with Brightspace, I remember learning a lot from the kids, even though they hadn't had any of this mm-hmm. either. They were just, they're just quicker than me. And, you know, I like to think that I'm pretty good in, in the tech ed department, but they, 
they were the ones who were like, hey, did you know that if you try this, this can happen? And it was, just, it was, uh, it was uh, it's one of those things where you know you go into teaching to teach other people, but every day you go home learning something too. Right. So was, we're going to focus on Brightspace a little bit more. So you, it sounds like you use the quiz tool a lot. Did you use any of the other tools? So I was really apprehensive about the discussion board because middle schoolers can be mean to each other. Um, I think everyone who's ever known a teenager can know that <laughs> and, or been a teenager. Um, and I had to really like set some strict ground rules. Like, and I talked, it gave me an opportunity to talk to the kids about like, when you go online and you have an online persona, your words are your only representation of who you are. So if you're using all capital letters because you think it looks cool, everybody else thinks that you're screaming at them, and that's rude. So we had to have, like, really open and honest discussion about, like, how do you want people to feel about your ideas? Do you want to be an argumentative person, or do you want to be someone that can convey themselves articulately and appropriately so that your ideas are well-received and that people actually care about what you have to say? Mm -hmm. The first couple of times I got a lot of like, follow me on Instagrams. And I told them like, you just failed that assignment. I had to be like, really cut mm -hmm. and dry. You're getting a zero, you're getting a hundred because we're just testing it out. And the kids who took it as a joke were like really disappointed that they did take it as a joke. They thought that I was joking. And right. <laughs> like, no, guys, this is real life. Like, I am your English boss. <laughs> you are my English workers. I gave you some ground rules. You've got to follow them. So follow me on Instagram. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's better than them writing it on a bathroom wall, but <laughs> still. That's true. So with Brightspace, clearly it sounds like you've taken advantage of a lot of the tools that they have. Are there other tools that you're using? Um, I really found that the kids respond well to Edpuzzle. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's a program where you can go on Edpuzzle, you make your teacher account, you set up your class accounts, and then you go online in search of video content. And it's, you know, it, it's, you have to use your discretion and watch the videos and make sure that you're choosing stuff that's actually valid to your curriculum. Mm -hmm. But when you're choosing the video, you're able to set it up in such a way that the video stops and the kids can't play that video until they answer a question that you've designed. So it's really good integrating the media in there, like a real life skill. They're not going to just be getting stuff from a textbook or from a PDF file. A lot of people as adults are getting their information from watching things, watching YouTube videos, watching news, whatever it is. So it's more of like a life skill of stop, check your facts. Do you understand? Can you comprehend? what's happening. Right. And I tried it a couple times last year and it was kind of slow going at first. They weren't really invested in it. This year it's like wildfire with the classes that I have. They're they're asking every week, can we do an ed puzzle? Can we do an ed puzzle? Mm -hmm. And I can't always say yes to them, but it's nice right. that they're enthusiastic about it. Right. Have you seen a correlation of student test scores and student academic growth? through using the technology that you have, including the Edpuzzle, including Brightspace, including PowerPoint? I think that the kids are so much more comfortable with the testing platform being shifted onto the internet. Mm -hmm. They are living their lives as web-based creatures, and to hand them a test that's on a paper and with a pencil, they're like, that. that's like, what is this? Why are we doing this? That's not... It's not their life. It's not their world anymore. And it's definitely not going to be their future. 
As far as like a correlation between the test scores, it's tough to say with all the different shifts that we've had between, you know, now we're MCAS 2.0, we were parked for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely I see like our ANETs are trending up and I'm noticing that like our unit tests, since we've shifted them online in the last couple of years, our unit tests are shifting up as well. I don't want to look at it as like, well, we didn't grow by this percentage or that percentage, right. but there's definitely an upward trend. And there's also an engagement trend. The kids are more apt to do it if it's online. And I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, any growth any growth is good growth. Yeah, and if you can get them interested in what is usually dry testing material, that's a win. This past November, the month that we're recording this in, was your school one of the schools that participated in the like PD day where like it was tech training, like a tech symposium PD day with a bunch of other schools? No. I've done the tech symposiums in the past, mm -hmm. like the ones that they have on the weekends and yep. stuff. Yeah. Um there's a few people in our building who go to the tech symposiums, and it seems like it's been more beneficial for us since we're a really small school. If a couple of us go and we make a plan to go to all different ones while we're there, mm -hmm. and then we can bring it back in-house. Um, I've run like mini bright space refreshers after school, just totally voluntary for other teachers to come to. Mm -hmm. We've done things with like Kahoot to get them doing like review games in the classroom um so yeah we we attend them but we don't go as a whole school because there's only 20 of us at the end of the day it's not a lot of people you know i actually didn't realize south end was that small like it doesn't look it looks a lot larger on the outside with how many classrooms that you suspect in here yeah. so having the smaller staff have you guys really grown together technology wise or has there been too much turnover with that or well this is my second year at south end and everyone in this building really wants to embrace the technology um there's a few of us that are like front runners saying like let me show you how this is going to make your life so much easier um and there's people who have been in this district for 20 years in this building and they come with so much knowledge and so much creativity. Um, and I'm really happy that I'm in a place where like I can add to their, to their fire. I can mm -hmm. give them a spark in a new direction, something that they haven't had the idea to do before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause when you're talking to 20 year veterans and you're only nine years in, you, <laughs> you feel like a newbie <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> you know, and it's really cool. You know, you hear, people all the time like oh older people afraid of technology not in my building everyone is really excited they want to get on board but they also want to do it right right um, you know i think their only level of apprehension comes from like how is this going to make it better for my kids for me and for our curriculum like are we going to see results from doing this because if not why are we going to bother so they really want, they want those whys answered, which is helpful for me too, because I get a little enthusiastic and I jump head first. So it's nice to have mm -hmm. people that are a little more even keeled to do a little check and balance. Nice. So with this school year, are there things that you've tried for this year that you have not done before that you've been very excited about or in reverse, are there things that you've tried and you're like, I'm never doing that again. I haven't had, luckily, any of those never doing it again things. I'm trying to integrate more video in with the kids. Um, I do a daily inspirational video for them, and I've challenged them to find videos that inspire them. Um, we're trying to stick in this room with the, the theme of the year in Springfield, so dreaming big. Mm -hmm. um, so I asked them, like, how did the person in the video that I'm playing for you dream big? 
how are they challenging you in your life to dream big? Um, they they like it. Some of them think it's kind of corny because, you know, they're eighth graders and anything emotional is corny. <laughs> <laughs> unless it's Twilight. Unless it's Twilight. Gosh, that Bella Swan, she's great. <laughs> But one thing I'm really looking forward to this year, I'm, later on in the curriculum, we're going to be reading the graphic novel Mouse. And with that, I want to try and set up a Skyping field trip where we can either go to one of the United States memorials for the Holocaust mm-hmm. or like dreaming big. Can I get them overseas online looking at, you know, a live tour of one of, oh my god I like that would be the dream to have the kids live go to Auschwitz and see you know what's happening in our story it's a real thing it's a real place and they were real people just to bring bringing in connections for them right yeah I remember teaching when I was teaching fifth grade the real world connections like those were always the ones that were the most powerful for the students to yeah. understand whatever we were doing so when we were looking at like the American Revolution. That's one of the things in fifth grade. Just like pulling in like stuff from Springfield because many of the rifles were made here. Shay's Rebellion is supposedly started here. There's even rocks that have like being able to like, even though we weren't able to go, like I actually went out and like I video walked a bunch of different places so that they could see like, this is where you live. And so like even something as hard it is is to understand like the Holocaust, like being able to take the kids to there the best way we can, because if we all face it, we would love to be able to say, Hey, next week we're hopping on a plane. Yeah. And we're going, <laughs> I don't know if I would take 65 <laughs> eighth graders on a plane. No, probably um, not. That seems like a sequel to snakes on a plane and no one wants to watch that. So, <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about real world connections though. Right. And like my favorite thing that I do every single year um, and it's it's morphed over the years. It, it started out as a paper product, and it became a PowerPoint. And then we got comfortable with Prezi, and now I'm looking like, what can I do this year mm-hmm. to add a little more spice to it? We do a social justice project at the end of Reading Mouse, and we talk about like the big ideas in Mouse. We talk about social injustice in terms of racism. We talk about it in terms of starvation. The kids come up with their own ideas. I had one girl last year who noticed a trend. That was so minute in the text, but so it's, it struck a chord with her of child mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. And I've read that book like 900 times and I've never found the evidence that she found. And so it, with this project, what I let the kids do, they choose their topic of social injustice and they explore how it happened in the book, how it happened in America during World War II times, and how it is continuing to affect our world today. But I don't try and keep it negative. The last part of the project is looking at, like, if your topic is starvation, what are two organizations that are working to fight Mm -hmm. against the effects of starvation? What are they doing? Who are the people involved? And how can you get involved? I try really hard to tell my eighth graders, like, you guys are the future. You're going to be the ones who change everything. You're going to make this world so much better. And you're going to use the tools... Like, yeah, I know reading Edgar Allan Poe probably didn't seem like a real world thing to you, but you're going to use your tools of inferencing and you're going to use your tools of imagination and you're going to become entrepreneurs and you're going to change things. And they don't, I tell them that all year and most of the year they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm like 14. What are you thinking? But when they hit that real world project with the social justice stuff, Mm -hmm. they 
they really do open their eyes and they take ownership like they're ready and some of them go on and actually do stuff after that project like i had a girl who noticed a trend of animal cruelty and now she volunteers over at deacon you know yeah she wouldn't have found that she wouldn't have i mean maybe she would have found it without me but i do feel like focusing her on that project gave her something and it allowed her to develop a passion for it too yeah that is awesome i don't want to take up too much more of your time and I think we should definitely end with that last point because that, <laughs> because if you think about it, like nine years ago, like to be able to do a project like that, it's paper, it's pencil, it's going to the library and getting books Taking out. Taking an and encyclopedia off the shelf and blowing off that dust. <laughs> and trying to find whatever you can. But now that a project like that takes on a whole new meaning, like they could volunteer and work for Save the Children, or they could volunteer for Dakin, or they Habitat could Habitat for Humanity Habitat was another for one. Humanity. That, yeah. There's just so many opportunities for and project-based learning for the students to like really grasp hold of this is my city, and it helps them see that they can make a difference here. When we all watch the news and we see what's reported all the time, we don't see all the good stuff that is going on in the city. Springfield's the city of firsts, and that doesn't end in a history book. I firmly believe that the Mm -hmm. kids that we are helping produce in the city are going to make worldwide changes. They're going to come back to the city, and they're only going to make it better. Why else would we be here? That's what we want. That is exactly what we want. Well, thank you for your time. I know that it is the end of the day and you are free to go home. (laughs) So I do thank you that you took the time to meet with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. As I reflect upon this interview with Brittany, one of the things that stood out to me actually is what we talked about earlier in this podcast, which is digital storytelling. I mean, her project that she's doing with her students, taking the book Mouse and then having them create some sort of social justice project with that, those students, they could do so many different things with that project. They could create a PSA. They could create a informative video. They could do a TED talk. The things she's doing in her classroom made me very excited. And I hope that you guys could hear that and got excited about what she was doing in the classroom. For more information on digital storytelling or anything else that came up in this podcast, you can always email us at dlasupport at springfieldpublicschools.com. You can contact us on Yammer. We have our own group. Or you can find me in my crazy Mutter Monday bit headband. One of the things that I do want to remind you of is that wherever you listen to us, if you could give us a review or a rating, that would be amazing. And we would be so very thankful for that. One of the things, especially with iTunes, if that's where you listen to this podcast, they like to keep track of those things. And I really hope that people will go out there and respond and let us know what you think. I'm always pushing for five stars because I think we do a fantastic job. But maybe there's things that you want to talk about. You can always message us on Yammer or at DLA support. As part of all of this self-promotion that we usually do at the end here, we just want to make sure that you know exactly where we are. You clearly are listening already. 
but maybe your fellow teachers could, who could also benefit from this have not yet. And we want to make sure that you are sending out messages and sharing the love. We, again, can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher. Spreaker.com is the host website, where that's where you'll find a lot of the links. We also post it up on the We Learn page on MySPS. We'll post weekly updates on Yammer and Brightspace announcements when the new podcasts come out. There's just a plethora of places to find us, and please give us a review. That would help us out quite a bit. Well, that's it for today. I am your host, Mike Thomas, and I will see you next week.